Welcome to Health Unabashed on Healthcare Now Radio, your go-to place for all things health and wellness innovation. We're all about sustainability, equity, and patient-centric care. I'm Greg Masters, executive producer and co-host, and I'm thrilled to be joined by my esteemed colleague, the digital health advocate, author, and global thought leader, Gil Bash. Together, we're your guides on this journey through the minds of thought-provoking individuals, groundbreaking ideas, and the transformative companies making waves in the industry. Today, we're delighted to chat with health IT industry trailblazer and seasoned healthcare executive, Ed Marks. Ed's passion for enhancing patient outcomes through intelligent technology is truly infectious. He's a veteran of the C-suite with stints at the Cleveland Clinic, New York City Health and Hospitals, Texas Health Resources, and University Hospitals under his belt. Ed's experience spans the full spectrum of healthcare, having served on both the supplier and provider sides, and he brings a unique perspective to the table. Ed's had a hand in shaping the infrastructure that's improving the quality of healthcare. And with that, I'll pass the mic to you, Gil. Greg, thank you so very much for that gracious introduction. And uh, I just want to say to our listeners, this show wouldn't happen without you. I, I don't think people realize that not only do you and, and Fred Goldstein have your own program, very popular Health Pop Week, but um, also um, you are the executive producer of this show. And I thank you as our co-host. And we have a great guest. Both of us are big, big fans of, of Ed Marks. I mean, Ed Marks, for anybody involved in, in health information, in health innovation, in the experience of patients around information. If you don't know Ed Marks, you're either not in this sector at all, or you're about to be amazed, or both, or both. Um, Edward Marks, Ed Marks is really one of the pioneers of our industry. Um, and he's still a young whippersnapper, but he's constantly reinventing himself. Um, Ed has had a number of amazing positions and um, we're very, very fortunate to have him on the program. Ed, by the way, uh, worked in Texas. He was um, part of the governor's team way back when in really establishing the discipline for one of the nation's larger health systems, obviously, state government. He obviously, many of you know him from his work at Cleveland Clinic, where he was the chief information officer. He is also the co-author of a great book. Uh, I highly recommend, maybe he'll, he'll mention this, maybe he'll, he'll talk about a new edition coming up. He, um, he started his own advisory um, some time ago and then was hired by one of his big clients. He was with them for quite some time. And then after um, really a long successful stretch as uh, their chief information officer, stepped into a new role and, and became chief executive officer of a company called Divergent. He's now doing really what his, his dreams have always sort of like called him to do, which is to go out and help our industry, maybe save our industry. He's launched his own advisory. I think this is the first program where he's going to share with us a little bit about that dream, that plan, and the benefits to, to everyone we serve. Ed, welcome to the program. I'm so grateful you could make time for us. Well, Gil, I, I wouldn't have missed this for the world. Thank you for having me. And you said so many things there, and I, I want to make sure I don't lose track. But as you know, it's really about the people 
around you that helped make you successful. So all the good things, all the accolades that you threw my way are only made possible through, I work with great teams. I worked with great organizations and I've got a great family. So it's really a testimony to them. I just pour out or try to pour out whatever people pour into me like yourself. You're a, a hero of mine, a mentor of mine. I, I watch you all the time, all your moves, all the different things you're doing. Uh, and plus you're a, a military hero of mine as well as a, as a fellow. We're army buddies. And I, have to say that I, I have to salute you. Yeah. I have to salute you. You, you, you left the, the ranks of the non-commissioned officers to, uh, to become a, uh, an officer. And, um, and uh, I salute you for that. I, I know that it's rare when we meet people from our industry who have actually served in the military in, in, in service roles. And uh, I think anybody out there who's, who's been in the service knows you, on one hand, it's a privilege. On the other hand, you actually do lose a lot of personal freedom in order to serve the greater good. Um, you know, Ed, something that you've been very candid about as well is not just your professional leadership, but but your, um, your, your your sudden sort of like being thrust into the role of patient. You know, I always think of you as, you know, this, which you are, this brilliant, brilliant, you know, you know health information leader, author, speaker, um, executive, um, marathon runner, triathlete leads and all this. But you also had a, a major, major cardiovascular event some some time back and then you bounced back and you're running again cycling and recently back from you know touring morocco and the mountains um so so listen i don't want you to give up any secrets but you have a certain joy and zest to life no matter what rolls your way share with us what is what is the edward mark secret to smiling <laughs> well you know i think it's a missional alignment right when you're when you're doing the things in your life that you feel called to do and you're surrounded by all that great support that we talked about earlier. I think that's really key. The other thing is resilience. So, you know, speaking of patient experience, you know, my colleague, uh, Chris Ross, CIO of Mayo Clinic, and I have embarked on writing a book together based on both of us had these just horrific health experiences, both healed now, thankfully. And we're writing about it. And we realized as we were writing about it, how important resilience was. So it's not, it's not an academic book whatsoever, but in the research that we did, uh, resilience came out as kind of that number one factor. It wasn't really attitude that determines, you know, uh, who's going to survive something and who isn't. It's really resilience is sort of this key. And I, and I look back at my life and, you know, the life, as you know, my parents out of the Holocaust talk about resilient people. I kind of grew up out of that. And, you know, I was thrown into a lot of messy situations as an immigrant and I had just had to be resilient, either give up and just go with the status quo or just be resilient. So I, I, I've i had this core of resilience that was built into me. And so whenever I hit these things like cancer, you know, one year and a one year later, you know, there's heart attack during a race. Uh, it's like, I just got to keep going. That's just how I'm wired. So resilience is really key. Uh, but it really led, you know, if you don't mind me taking this a step further, talking about this book, you know, talking about patient experience. And, you know, we, we were writing it to our colleagues and we realized Nothing's changed in the last 20 years in healthcare. We've been talking patient experience for a long, long time. Maybe we didn't call it patient experience 20 years ago. We we had a different word for it, but basically it was a, the complaint department maybe, or you know where people patients went to sh share their you know their dissatisfaction with the system. So uh, we've been at it a long time, but not much has changed. So working with the publisher, we decided to write this book for the public. So this book is coming out in the spring of 2024. We finally have a date. And we're really excited about it because 
it's we we said we're not giving up on our colleagues. There's actually one chapter in the book called Dear Colleagues uh, that we purposely have in this book for the public so the public can see what we're saying to our colleagues as well. But it's really about how can you ensure a great patient experience no matter where you are in the world, no matter what sort of hospitals in your town or what your insurance allows you to have access to. It's how to build it yourself. Uh, because if you count on a health system, forget it. You know, Ed, uh, I, you're, you're touching a um, sort of um, a nerve because I, I we often talk about patient experience and that our system is is now dedicated to patients. And, and I, I, I'm going to push back, and I think you're going to agree with me or not, but I think the system is based on the system, not around the patient. And, right, and and the whole model of the system is to keep the system moving. Patients just happen to be a necessary nuisance that the system has to deal with. Now I'm being glib, and I apologize. I'm. I think there are many clinicians, many who are passionate, but I think the system is obviously an economically driven system, and that every decision that's made within the system is centered around. You know, does it cost? Do I make money from that? Can I keep the system moving from these decisions? And, you know, I think part of it is our system is is also driven by uh, not not preventing disease, but actually it is a it's a sick care based system, not a healthcare based system. You you you're a model of healthcare even after your events. You are constantly focused on physical fitness and diet, taking good care of yourself. Um, but our system doesn't necessarily build itself to do that. But I, I want to swing over to something that we're both professionally passionate about, which is the role of information in in guiding these decisions. And you, you, you've really been the curator of information for um, you know, major provider systems and corporations. I know your 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 work at Divergent, which is now a a client of yours and in, in your in your new venture adventure um, is is based on processing information in new ways. I mean, what's your philosophy around how we use information in the health system? Are we are we thinking differently or not? Well, I think we're thinking differently in terms of the technology. Like we realized, you know, a few years ago with the the emergence or popularity of cloud computing and computing at scale just that we could finally aggregate all this data. And as we work through interoperability issues and challenges, which they still exist today, but I think they they have gotten better. And then we're realizing the power of the data and the ability to leverage data. But I don't know that we've gotten to the era yet that we're truly maximizing all the data that we have to make the best decisions for treatment, the best decisions for patients. And you know, a lot of times, you hear the kind of cutting edge stuff that some organizations are doing, and Gil, you know this in your practice, that it's maybe just five or 10% at the top that are able to leverage AI, right? Today, we're talking about generative AI and all the different capabilities. And yeah, there, there are definitely some use cases and some organizations leading the way, but they don't represent the mass of organizations. So we haven't really gotten to that level yet. And I think we have to continuously to aggressively push. And the, and the other area around data, you know, there's really two other things that I think about. Um, one is 
really the, you know, you call it the democratization of data. And that is who owns the data. I'm big into personal empowerment. Like it's my data. Let me have that data. I want to dice and slice it myself. I don't want to have to, you know, wait on the health system to do all that for me. I want to do comparative analysis myself um, across the globe, you know, different ways of looking at things that I might be limited to if I don't have access to that data. And then, you know, the whole disparities within the data uh, as well, you know, is something that we all have to be concerned with, like what, where that data set come from and, you know, how might it bias our treatment decisions? Because we all know examples where that's been the case. So summary, I love where we've gone with technology. I think we we have made some advancements. Um, I think we still are need to get over that tipping point to where it really becomes an everyday type of thing, not just exclusive to, you know, five or 10% of the health systems today and let people have their data and make sure that it's unbiased. Just joining us, you're tuned into Health Unabashed on Healthcare Now Radio. Today we're chatting with health IT industry pioneer and seasoned healthcare executive, Ed Marks, the mastermind behind MarksAdvisory.com. Yeah, you know, it's, it's fascinating that you raise this because I know a lot of clinicians who feel the burden of AI. They don't feel that AI is going to reduce their workload. They, they feel it's something added. And I remember my father-in-law, his last 13 days, he was a well-known physician, academic, and a great mentor to many clinicians, was in inpatient. And I spoke to his nurse um, at a teaching hospital about his uh, medical record. And she said to me, I don't have time to read patient medical records. Now, EMRs are a great concept. And I'm, I, I salute Epic and all of these companies that are developing EMRs. The problem, if, if they're not easy for the health staff, the floor staff to access and use them, it's just more work to, to fulfill the obligation. And so I'm thinking of chat GPT and saying to myself, you get a, an EMR, you get a person's medical record, and you, you could say or learn to say the right questions, which is, please summarize patient X, Y, and Z's current medical history for me in 500 words and it will crunch it and you can get the 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 zest of what is going on with that patient without having to go through you know 50 screens um and i don't think that i, I think that tech i don't think we lack technology i i think what we lack is the ability to make technology work for the health professionals who really do want to work for their patients and I, I'm wondering, you know, Ed, do you have any like plans to guide health systems and clients to make the newer, you know, AI, ChatGPT um, technologies more refined or training modules for clinicians to actually put them to to good use? You know, it goes back, Gil, to what we're saying. You know, like when we talk about patient experience, this stuff's been going on for 20 years. We you know we called it workflow back then. Like, how do you enable the clinician workflow? How do, all we've done is made it worse. But we talked about it 20 years ago. You know, we both came back from HIMSS and we both know, and we both we both love HIMSS. So it's nothing against HIMSS. It could be any conference that's been a while, around a while. But you could take that setting and go back 20 years. It's probably a lot of the same topics. And we're still trying to, to come up with solutions. And I think there's been a, a lack of leadership. I, I That's what I was trying to say with the data side. It's not for a lack of technology. I think it's a lack of vision. It's a lack of leadership. It's a lack of aligned incentives. And so, yeah, when I was working at, even at the clinic back in 2018, 
was this whole concept, uh, and this was before uh, Nuance and others came out with their with their ambient voice and things like that, but really this ambient voice capability to you and I are having a conversation, I might have an earpiece. So there's nothing, there's no tech in, in between us talking. So you can have a very intimate conversation with a patient, very you know engaged with that patient, but you have an earpiece and that earpiece is coaching you based on what the patient's saying, the tone of voice, and it's going back into the database, into their genomic profile, uh, and matching that to what they're saying and matching that to the latest and greatest research and, and then prompting you as a clinician, what's the next best question? That That's the ultimate. If you want to make it easy for the clinician and easy in the workflow and really get someplace, that, that's where we need to get to. Now, now we've made some strides there, right? We, we're doing some ambient voice, needs a lot of adjustments still, but it's a, it's the right way to go. We're able to crunch numbers, you know, at scale now so we can get those sort of quick answers and quick insights. So I think it's coming together, but we need people to continue to push. You know, that's why, you know, it's quantum computing needs to get on steroids. You know, it's coming along. Uh, Cleveland Clinic, again, you know, has, has already done some pioneering or starting some pioneering work there. So, but it it, it can't just be them. It's got to be, you know, more wholesale, you know, make it available to everyone to use. So I think that's where we're headed. I, but we just need to get there faster. You know, and, and you're, you're kind of um, like it's Ed Marks unshackled now. I mean, you've had these big, big, big jobs. There's no, you know, CIO at a mega, you know, medical institution. You know, you were, you know, CEO of Divergent. And by the way, Divergent's presence at HIMSS uh, a plus. I mean, I I saw more divergent than I've ever seen. And by the way, hats off to you. I I never thought of divergent or heard of divergent. But when Ed Marks became CEO, I I was watching divergent, and I think a lot of us were. I mean, you were part of the asset there. I mean, your knowledge and and your presence, you know, put that company on the map. They obviously got their money's worth because divergent's a player now. Um, but now you're unleashed. Now you're going to do your own thing finally. And you're an adventurer. I mean, whether you're traveling, whether you're marathoning, whether you're recovering, I mean, resilience is only part of the Edmark story. Give us a little bit of inside action of what you're thinking of doing in this new venture. Yeah, you know, I've been teaching my kids since they were small, you know, about entrepreneurship. And I'm forced them to read these books about starting your own businesses and companies and four out of the five have, and they're like super, super successful. I could brag on them for, for hours and I'm super proud of them. And they're always like, well, dad, you know, you're teaching me all this stuff, but how come you never did it? So, so I, like you mentioned earlier, five years ago, I had this idea and then my first client, they bought me out basically. And uh, I went back to the security of working for a big corporation, which is fun and good. And a lot of, a lot of great things happen there. Uh, but you know, it's like, you only live once. And so let, you got to try different things. So it's like, you know what, I, I, I can go more at scale if I can help more than one company. So by being out on my own, I can scale myself a little bit and maybe help four or five different companies. And then also gives me a chance to speak more. So I love to share what I've learned and I love to write, you know, all the books that I write, all of them, all of them, uh, the profits, the author profits go to cure cancer. So it's my way of giving back uh, curing can helping to cure cancer. And also it's a creative outlet for me. So I love to do that. And like I said, the speaking, I can do more of that. I'm not sort of held back. I also have a personal book, you know, that I've written with my wife that it couldn't be released because, <laughs> uh, because some of the topic areas of it, and you know, which just wouldn't look good maybe to the a particular company that I might work for. So, 
uh, now we'll be free to let that book fly as well. It's on relationship and marriage and uh, and so forth. Romance. Well, I know that you have a very special relationship, and I, I, you know, I, I feel you know when you're you're writing about it, I, I sort of like, I see the spark. Um, you know, you're you're not just resilient; you're joyous, and um, you're you really because of of some of the struggles you you've confronted successfully. You there's a sort of like let's go out and live life and see the world. No, no. Um, I think we have a lot to learn, not just about health information from Ed Marks, but about life from Ed Marks. And um, uh, no, you talked about being there to help companies scale up and so forth. I I I'm confident that a lot of companies are going to realize inserting a bit of you into their strategy and business planning process. Is is going to really produce a return on investment for them. You're you're, you're not going to be on the expense column of these companies. You're, you're going to be on the revenue driving part of this. Um, tell me tell me a little bit about how how you want to be engaged by people though. I mean, people know you. Um, you know, I, I I'm I'm inviting you to give a little bit of a plug here. I usually don't do that, but I'm I'm such a big fan of the industry and of you. Take those two combined. I want as many people as possible to be reaching out so that you have to be resilient <laughs> and figure out how to use your time. Yeah, Gil, you're very gracious. Thank you. Yeah, it's day two at the time of this recording. So it's really marksadvisory.com is the website. And it's very simple. And one of my entrepreneurial sons actually did it for me or helped create it with me. So it's very three, three simple things, but definitely retained advisory for companies. I'm not going to do the sales. So I'm not calling up, you know, a friend of a friend to say, hey, look at product XYZ. But like you mentioned, I will help companies with their strategy, how to reach the C-suite, um, how to be better with their branding, how to be better in their communications, you know, because when I was sitting on the other side for so many years, it, I was aghast at what I would see, you know, from different companies. Uh, it's like, really? That's the best you got? And what? You're going to walk into my office with 10 people and show me a 50-slide PowerPoint? What? You know, stuff like that. And that I can really help with. And I've helped companies do that before. But now, as I mentioned, I could do it at scale. So that's one thing. It's sort of this retained advisory. And then, as I mentioned, you know, there'll be some speaking opportunities that, and I've done a lot already, but this just opens up the door for more. And, and then, like I mentioned, the books. So all those come together. And the final thing that's actually on the website, uh, Gil, is is board service. So I currently serve on the board of a couple of fantastic health systems, Summa Health in Mid-Ohio and Akron, Ohio, and Mary Crowley Cancer Research, uh, a phase one clinical trial company. Uh, and there, there's a couple others, but I wanna do, I have room for a couple more now. So this Mark's advisory just opens up the world a little bit more for me to be able to help more organizations. So Mark's advisory, that's how you can find me, marksadvisory.com. That, and that's really, look, that's an invitation to anybody who has any common sense and is in the health information area to reach out to you. No, I, I, and I also wanted to ask you, you've served in state government before. We talked about leadership. I don't want to put you on the spot, but but um, look, health information, whether it's in drug development, whether it's in making more effective decisions for patients, whether it's looking at um, what drugs are best for what patient types, whether it's plugging in uh, you know, patients who have zebra-like conditions to come up with diagnoses. Information is the essential nugget we've got to learn to use far better. Um, but the problem is leadership. We had some leadership when Amy Abernathy was at FDA, and she really understood how this all connected 
Um, and also uh, Batul Patel was there. And we, we had real thinkers of our category. They're gone. Um, what's the chances of federal government calling up Ed Marks and saying, I know you started this gig, but we need you. A a any hope to our industry? Hey, I, uh, I'll tell you what, you know, and, and you know, as, as an immigrant uh, and a member of Team USA Triathlon, uh, I'm all about our country. I would do anything for our country, and I've served our, our country, and I would I would never hesitate to do it again. But yeah, everything comes, rises and falls on leadership, right? So everything's bureaucratic. Our government's bureaucratic. Our health systems are bureaucratic, and we just need bold leadership. The problem is people are fear of their job. They're they're afraid they're going to get fired. You know, if you push too many buttons, then someone won't like you, and 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 so people just sit around and occupy space. And that's why we haven't moved the needle on patient experience, on information, on all the things that we you and I like to riff about and try to help other organizations with. And it really requires this bold sense of leadership and bold organizations that can handle bold leadership. So that's the other thing, right? The culture of some of these organizations and sometimes the government they can't handle bold leadership. It's like whoa, that's that's too going too fast, you know, Mr. Marks, or uh, that, that's too much. And, and so we need people who are just resilient and brave and feel a calling and go do their work no matter what happens to them uh, or their career, but they're doing the right thing that ultimately saves people's lives. I, I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. Ed. You know, it's it's amazing how quickly this time flies. We've got, we've got just a, a minute or so left. So I, I wanted to ask you in a minute or so left, tell me, what's the hot button issue that you think um, leaders of the larger health information companies, um, not all of them, but, but some, they, they really need to prioritize right now? What's your thought about that? Well, one, and well, it goes back and it'll hit a lot of the topics that we already hit on, especially sort of the financial incentives, uh, misaligned incentives uh, that our health system has, but it's, it's hospital at home and virtual care. We were, you know, because of the, because of the COVID, as you know, we really accelerated virtual care, hospital home thinking capabilities and execution. When, when uh, the pressures pulled back on us and it wasn't so important anymore, we started telling people to come back to the hospital and we went from 80% utilization in some cases of virtual care to under 10%. And it's like, that's crazy. Uh, and that's what I'm talking about. Bold leadership is like, we all know that's wrong. We should do as much care in the home as possible. It's cheaper. It's higher patient satisfaction. And the quality of care is the same or better. So you're hitting the triple quadruple aim. And so we really need to go there. And so I I, I feel bad that the, or, the organizations have retreated because they want to go with, back with the old comfortable way and, the, and align themselves financially. And that's what that's a big piece of what's wrong today. You are, um, no, Ed, you are so right. Uh, look, we could go on for hours and I hope to have you back. I want to get a report on how your venture is doing because I think that that um, we, have, we have a lot at stake at your success. It's not just about you. It's about all of us. Ed, welcome to the great entrepreneurial world. You don't need resilience to succeed. You just need Ed Marks. Ed, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. And that's a wrap for today's broadcast, folks. And a huge thank you to our listeners for tuning in and to our special guest, health IT industry guru and seasoned healthcare executive, Ed Marks, the brains behind Marks Advisory. To get more of Ed's insights, head over to www.marksadvisory, and that's Marks with an X. And keep up with him on Twitter at Marks Tango. For more Health and Abash goodness, make your way to our program page at healthcarenowradio.com 
for on-air weekdays at 10.30 a.m., 6.30 p.m., and 2.30 a.m. Eastern or 7.30 a.m., 3.30 p.m. and 11.30 p.m. Pacific. Keep the conversation alive with Gil and me on Twitter. You can find us at Gil underscore Bash, and that's B-A-S-H-E, and Greg Masters, M-P-H, and that's Greg with two Gs. Don't forget to tag your tweets with Health and Abashed. Until next time, let's keep pursuing better health and never apologize for it.